Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Times. Really excited for today's guest. He grew up in the Niagara Falls area before playing for Preds, where he's got several provincial and national medals. He's represented Team Ontario at Canada Games, and he's already played for Canada's youth and junior national team, including the Pan Am Cup with Norseka. You would have recognized him as a star at Princeton. He's recently transferred to Pepperdine. Please welcome to the show, Alex Mackay. Alex, thanks for doing this, man. Hey, of course. Thank you for having me. Man, lots to cover, but let's take it from the top here. Uh, were you always a volleyball guy? Because I feel like that Niagara region, you probably could play any sport at a serious level, right? Yeah, I mean, I didn't start playing volleyball very seriously until I was about 13 or 14. I was actually a, a tennis player when I started. Like, that was my first sport, and that's kind of what I what I went with. Nice. So what uh, convinced you? Was it a good school teacher, a good school coach? Like, what got you hooked on maybe switching over to volleyball? Yeah, I, I played tennis my whole life just because my dad wanted me to be like the next Canadian star in tennis. Um, but I started playing volleyball in elementary school. That's when I first played my first team sport. And that's kind of what hooked me to it, honestly, was just like having five other people on the court to, to look to and to have fun with while you're playing a sport. And, you know, around the seventh grade, that's also the point where I started to, to get really tall. I was about six foot, six foot one when I was in the seventh grade. And so, you know, I figured it's a tall person's sport. Maybe I should invest in this. So a couple of years later, I decided to quit tennis and, you know, fully pursue volleyball. Anything you took uh, from being an individual sport like that? Like, obviously, you crave the team sports stuff and, and you wanted that. But uh, we've had people like Lane Van Buskirk and other athletes who were pretty, pretty good at individual type sports. Was there anything you took over to the team sport that you felt helped you? Yeah, I think just like a personal sense of like ownership and accountability was the biggest things that I got from tennis. Because, you know, when you're playing tennis, it's on you when you're going to go and when you're going to go and hit balls when you're going to go lift weights. And then when you're on the court, it's pretty much all you. In volleyball, you're lucky where like if you're not having the best game or even if you are having the best game, you always have people to look to. You always have kind of that support system. But what I found that, you know, volleyball is a team sport. There's there is some individual elements to it as well, right? Like when you go back to serve, you're the only person serving. When you're in the off season, you're typically the only one training by yourself. And so what I took from tennis was just like a good sense of like personal accountability and, you know, holding myself to a very high standard in everything that I do. Nice, nice. And you've also got a sibling who plays volleyball at a varsity level. Was there some backyard pepper battles going on? Yeah, you know, I mean, especially during COVID when we didn't really have anything, we made the, we made the volleyball net purchase online on Amazon, like I'm sure a lot of people did. So, you know, we stayed active. We would practice like she's a libero. So I would hit balls at her. She would kind of get up on a box and help me work on my blocking and stuff. So it was good. We were constantly playing together. Nice, nice. And uh, with you being in that Niagara area, you did choose to drive a little bit and go to Preds. How difficult of a decision was that for you to kind of, you know, have to be able to do homework in the car or just driving a little bit. Like, uh, I, I imagine during traffic, if it got gnarly, that's at least an hour for you, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a lot more than that. Actually. It was on days. It would be two hours there and hour and a half, hour 45. Oh, gosh. It's crazy. <laughs> so what led to that decision? Like you were just taking it serious. Like you knew you wanted to play for the national team or you knew you wanted to play post-secondary. Like what made you commit to, you know, traveling that far to play on a top team? Yeah, I mean, I had high aspirations for volleyball. I always wanted to play at a post-secondary level. I always wanted to play on the national team. And so this obviously came after when I was a little bit more developed in volleyball. But when I was still playing tennis, I asked my dad if I could play a second sport. You know, he wanted me to focus on tennis, but ultimately decided, you know, volleyball could be just another way to be to get better at tennis. And so I played for Niagara Rapids for a year, you know, loved the experience, wanted to continue playing. And there was a new club that had just opened up with like a men's team. And so I joined that team. We played for two years. We ended up getting a bronze medal at provincials, which was awesome. Uh, and then from there, I chatted with my coach and my dad at kind of like an end of the year meeting. And he said, you know, I'm a high school gym coach. I really have loved working with you guys, but there's nothing really more that I can teach Alex. And I want him to pursue volleyball. I think that he can be really good. And so he kind of reached out to the Preds for me because I guess my Preds coach and him were like pretty close. And he recommended that I go train with those boys and to, you know, take everything I could from them in terms of like my learning and my experience. And so that's kind of what led me to, to play for the Preds and the agreement that my dad and I made up was funny enough. He, he was very bought into taking me to Kitchener, which was, you know, hour and a half trip. And if it was like snowy or bad weather, sometimes it could be two hours just to get there. Um, so I realized it was a huge sacrifice coming out of his life, but he said, 
you know, you can't let your you can't let your grades drop. Like I want to see like good academic performance on all fronts. And so, you know, <laughs> we'd be driving home at like 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I just remember having like my high school math textbook on my lap and I was just like scribbling away notes and, and doing homework on the, on the car ride back. And so, you know, when I got to college, that was actually a really good skill because, you know, the schoolwork is harder and you need to sometimes study on the bus. Um, so I'm grateful that, you know, I got to play Prez and along the way, just doing things like that, I built a lot of different skills. Yeah, that's wild. I'm not sure a lot of athletes could handle that. They really got to stay dedicated and committed to it. Uh, as you were progressing and going through your goals, when did you know Canada Games was going to be a thing? Because obviously you were born in the right cohort to be a part of it. Um, but did you start speaking to coaches or other athletes? Because obviously uh, one or two ages above you and also your own age group. I mean, you're playing with uh, Xander and Cole Kitrzynski, uh, Tom Sora, Logan House. Like you guys had uh, the St. Denis brothers, like pretty special age group. Uh, when did you hear that the provincial team would eventually funnel into the major games and you'd get an opportunity to be on that squad? I realized that in my 16 new year. And when I realized that, you know, I was going into my 17th year and I would have to play up to be on the Canada games team. I just got really excited. I've always found that when I was younger, I did a lot better and I played kind of up. I'm sure, you know, like a lot of 17 tournament or teams in the OVA would typically go and play 18 tournaments. And I always found those the most fun because it's like these guys are a little bit older, a little bit stronger, and it's just fun to kind of go and push up against them. And so that's kind of what I felt the same way at the Canada Games was, you know, we had a tryout that year and I just kind of gave it my all. I was very excited to, to just play against these older people that I had seen, you know, through different OVA tournaments. And I was fortunate enough to make the squad. And I remember when I, when I found out that I made the team, it was just like tears running down my face. I was just very, very excited and very grateful to be, part of history like that so it, it was incredible yeah and what was the actual event like because uh representing team ontario is a big deal and obviously i think you guys were favored to win it but uh revisionist history obviously you did take it down i'm not sure you were the clear favorite because obviously alberta had a good squad bc quebec's always competitive um there's always just different people to play against so what was the mood in the gym when you walk in and you see jesse and matthias elser or a couple of guys from bc like did you guys feel confident or do you know it was going to be a pretty tough battle I think we always knew that it was going to be a tough battle, but I think the thing that gave us some of the most confidence was when we actually went to the USAV HP championships that summer as well. So we did two tournaments. We did the Canada games and then we did that USA tournament. And what gave us the most confidence was we went out to that tournament and we played against some of these, like, you know, UCLA commits, UC Irvine commits, and we played a lot of these American teams and we ended up winning that tournament. And this was just kind of like a tournament for us to go and like iron things out, work on different lineups, just to, you know, just a tournament to warm up for the Canada games. And by winning that, we just like had this like confidence in us. Like we thought, you know, if we can take out all these teams in the U S like not, not that it's a given that we're going to beat these teams in Canada, but we were, we were ready for it. And I think just having that tournament to be able to like work things out as a team and iron things out, it was, it was incredible. Now, you got to play in that USHP tournament a couple times. So I think you would have done it in your Canada Games cycle. And when you were on the youth national team, was that not one of your competitions as well? Yeah, it was. We played in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. So uh, the youth national team was the summer after Canada Games? Yes, yes. Um, so same same idea. You're you're surrounded by all these talented athletes and coaches. You get to go to a major tournament. How were you identified that with that? I tried to find a roster, and I think you were with like Sam Cooper, uh, Jackson Young, Cole Ketrzinski again, uh, my guy Josh Fadari, like another like super talented group. And I think it was a big training group. Uh, how did you get selected to that? And how was that training group? Yeah, I mean that training group was mainly just they kind of like identified athletes over the year. They watched our 18U, or 18U provincials, 18U nationals, and then they identified a group that they wanted to, to train and then a group that they wanted to travel with to Tulsa. Yeah, I was very fortunate to be in that group. They were an incredible group of guys. It was funny because, you know, our uh, our libero actually didn't end up traveling with us for reasons that I, I actually forget. And so the coaches came up to me and they were like, how do you feel about, you know, playing libero for a little bit of the tournament? And it was it was interesting because I'd, I'd only played, well, I actually started my career as a middle and then I mostly played right side. And then in my college career and late in my club career, starting to kind of transition to the left. And so I was like, great, there's there's a fourth position to check off. I've never played setter to this day, but it was just cool, a cool experience to be able to go out there and play some libero. But yeah, I remember we, we ended up uh, having two Canada squads. We met the other Canada squad in the quarters and we ended up beating them 
but we fell short in the semis to a SoCal team. And then I don't actually remember how we did in the bronze medal match, but if I don't remember, then we probably got fourth. <laughs> nice, nice. And then just to talk about one more experience you got, uh, junior national team, uh, this time you get a chance to represent Canada at an Orsica and you go to Pan Am Cup. Uh, what was the selection process for that? Yeah, so that was a very similar process in terms of like they identified athletes kind of all over Canada. Um, but they only brought in, I think, about 18 or 20 guys into the gym to do, uh, it was sort of like a mini junior national team tryout. So they didn't have a lot of time before they were actually traveling for the event. And so they called in pretty much the old junior national team, the one that had trained the summer before. And then they called a couple individuals like myself who were at the FTC and then just like some other identified athletes. And we had maybe, I think it was like a three day mini training camp, sort of like evaluation. And just from there, they decided to put me on the roster and, and I got selected to go to the team. So it was, it was, that was also just another great experience. I'm happy to, happy to chat about. What's uh, your own process in this? Like when you walk into a gym, are you kind of think looking around being like, wow, everyone here is really good. Do you kind of have a lot of positive self-talk where you think you deserve to be there? Cause like on your youth national team and talking about like Sam Cooper and Jackson Young and Cole and these guys, uh, I think on your junior national team, you're with TSL, sir, uh, Dahanya, Colfer, Colton Lou, Matt Neves, like the best outsides in the country. So when you go to a tryout, do you get nervous at all? Or do you feel like calm and belonging right off the bat? I mean, there's elements of both, right? Like, I think everybody's little voice in their head at times screams, like, you know, you don't belong here, you shouldn't be here. But I think that's kind of where that, like, tennis element kicked in for me and just, like, the mental performance side of things. You know, I was, from a young age, played an individual sport and, you know, had to deal with a lot of things on the court by myself. And so that's one of those things in volleyball that is very individual. It's, like when you're going to these, to these tryouts, when you're going to these training camps, they're often individual because you're usually not going in there with your team. You're going in there as an individual line to make this roster. And so, you know, having those years of experience in tennis and then just also having like the experiences that I've had, you know, with like the Canada games. And at that time, you know, I committed to Princeton and I was very excited about that. And so, you know, and, and having trained at the FTC for a year, you know, my confidence was, pretty high and I felt like you know I belonged in that gym and that was just something that you know from a self-talk standard like I was talking to myself just hyping myself up just very happy to be there but also just very grateful to be there and it didn't really matter who else was in the gym with me it was more just like I know who I am and I know what I offer and I'm going to do my best and if that's enough then great and if it's not enough then I've got some time to kind of reflect and see how I can be better for the next thing and so for that trial I was fortunate enough to to have been at that standard and, and made that team. Yeah, that's so cool. Thanks for letting us behind the scenes there. And uh, does it feel different at a Pan Am Cup versus like a US, uh, USA HP? Because I know you've represented Canada and you, you get to put on the jersey, but when you're you're playing against, uh, I, I don't get me wrong, the US tournaments are high caliber, but they're kind of like club teams or all-star teams or regional teams where does it feel different when you're playing against other national teams? Yeah, it totally does. I mean, I've always been one to think that it's like, you know, when, when we would play for like US and like USA HP, I felt like it was like our team going against another team. But when we would play like a different country, like I felt, you know, I felt some ownership for like our country. And that's the cool thing. It's like, and, and you know that the other side feels the exact same thing. They want to win that volleyball game, but they also want to make like everyone back home proud. And that's, I think, where the main difference is in, the, in those kinds of competitions. So you mentioned it there, uh, just to give us the behind the scenes of your FTC experience. I think if we trace it back far enough, maybe Jesse Elser deserves credit for like the first high school age guy to go to FTC because it used to be something that athletes did after college university to be pro ready where uh, he kind of set the scene and then cats like you and Tias and some other people started going younger and younger. So uh, I'm curious what, what went to your decision to, you know, you graduate, uh, you finish up high school and you're going to spend uh, time in Gatineau versus committing to a university right away. Yeah, so... At that time, I was still very unsure as to what I wanted to do post-secondary. I was very conflicted between going to the U.S., staying in Canada. I was super conflicted. And so I also felt like I just needed another year kind of maturing in order to make that decision. And so what happened was I was at Nationals, actually, and Matias' father came up to me and, you know, approached me and said, kind of pitched the idea of the FTC and pitched the idea of possibly living with with Matias. And I mean, it was a great experience. I'm very happy that we 
kind of took them up on that offer and like living with Matias, but then also going to the FTC and training for a year. It was by far one of the best experiences I've ever had. And the way I put it is for, for people who typically have to go to college for the first time or not have to, to who get to go to college for the first time, you, you know, you live on your own for the first time you're doing kind of all your own laundry and chores and things you've never really done cooked for some people. You're doing that all on your own. And then you're also introduced into like a different standard of academics. School is much harder and you're the only one who's responsible for it. And the fourth thing is, you know, you have this high level volume. You go from being kind of the top, for me, it was like, oh, you're the top of the OVA. But then once you come in as a freshman to whatever college, you're just a freshman, right? And I think the cool thing about the FCC but I got a chance to mature in the sense of like playing high level volleyball and also just like learning to take care of myself. And so when I got to Princeton, I could really just like focus on the academics because I know like I've already played really high level volleyball and I know like I've already lived on my own for a year before. And so while the FTC did make me better at volleyball, it also just built a lot of skills and made me a much more mature person going into college. And I'm trying to find the FTC roster when you and TS would have been young. Is that when maybe someone like Bruno Lordy would have been one of the older guys or Jeremy Davies? Like who are some other guys that were around that were kind of either between pro contracts or had finished university who could maybe show you the ways a little bit in terms of what it was going to take to be a pro? Um, one of the, those two worked with us. I think we were the year after. One of the people I really looked up to was uh, Joey Jarvis. We trained together a lot. He's just like an incredible outside and somebody that I love training with every single day. Nice, nice. And how did you feel about the uh, loaded FTC? Because obviously, uh, Glenn and whoever else was there, uh, probably Dan Lewis at that time. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of on court stuff. It's a lot with the weight room. Um, it, it's just it, they treat you like a pro and they try to get you pro ready. So coming from the club system, uh, was any of that overwhelming in terms of like load management or how many hours you're actually putting in? Yeah, I mean, yes and no. The first thing I'll say is that the Terraflex and Gatineau definitely definitely saves knees like you know i don't think we could play that much volleyball on like a hardwood floor <laughs> quite honestly so i'm very grateful that we had just that terraflex court but yeah like you said it is a lot of volleyball like we would have like a three-hour training block in the morning and a three-hour training block in the afternoon and then you know if people wanted to come in for extra reps that was kind of always also on the table but i felt you know while it was a lot of volleyball there was Dan, Dan was my coach and he was really smart about the way he structured it. And some of the days it would be like, you know, he would take the pins and we would go and we would lift weights for an hour, hour and a half while the middles and the setters would go do some like reading and some block work, some very low impact stuff. And then, then the, the middles would go into the weight room and then the pins would come out and we would just kind of do some low impact passing. And I thought that was also well designed because the afternoon three hours was more designed for the for the gameplay, for the serving, for all that. Whereas in the morning, not that it was low key, it was very, very like mental and working on a lot of different stops, great stuff, breaking different habits, but it was like good on the knees. You know, you weren't always jumping, you weren't, weren't always attacking. And so just to have that time to be able to work on different skills was incredible. So yeah, like six to eight hours of training a day is definitely a lot, but you know, when you have a brilliant mind like Dan Lewis and structures trainings and practices super well, it, it it doesn't feel that bad, but especially you do need to take kind of that ownership and take care of your body in the meantime, because you have those three or four hours and then, you know, you have a couple hours break. And in that time, you need to be like rolling up, you need to be stretching and kind of preparing for that afternoon session because it can be, it can be pretty grueling. Uh, any uh, practice stories you can share about Coach Dan Lewis? Uh, I probably, hopefully one comes to mind, but uh, when we had Joey Jarvis on the show, the, the moment he knew things were intense and you had to be dialed in every single day was uh, somebody was messing up at practice and Dan stopped it and yelled at everybody else saying, how dare you let Josh play this badly? This shouldn't come down to the coach. This should be on the group. We got to be responsible for each other. And Joey knew from that moment on, it was like, oh man, like everything needs to be dialed. We, we're responsible for each other. So uh, I'm wondering if you have either an intense or a teachable moment you had with uh, Coach Dan Lewis. Yeah, I do. I mean, he was he was an incredibly fiery coach. One of the best coaches that I've ever had the opportunity to play for. I remember, um, you know, our standard was always show up to practice. We had like a locker room and it was show up 30, 30 minutes early. And either you can just kind of hang out if you're not in the mood to, to get extra reps or do extra work but like nobody can be late. And he would kind of, 
he would preach that we would go into kind of like the weight room and make sure you're like rolling out, getting your shoulder ready, getting your knees ready. And he would kind of be there overseeing everything. And I remember one of the days we were looking at one of our athletes was not there. And we're kind of looking up to the clock, like hopefully he arrives. We don't know what's going to happen. And this person just didn't show up. They just kind of slept through. Uh, they completely missed the practice. And I remember the next day, our standard then became that if you were late, even by a minute to practice, Dan Lewis would play uh, back to back by Drake and then would get up on a box on your side of the court with a card of balls and everyone. And it's kind of like a 10 ball, but it's Dan Lewis hitting as hard as he can at you. And you have to dig like every ball that you can. And like for the duration of that song, and that song is like three and a half or four minutes. So you can imagine just like a 10 ball when you're like in a low crouch position, you have to touch 10 balls, like your quads are burning, but that usually takes like 45 seconds. This is four minutes straight of like Dan Lewis bullying you. So <laughs> I don't think, I mean, actually somebody was late after that, but after that, nobody wanted to show up late. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, yeah. like you said, uh, you were unsure and you needed that extra time. So when you started to narrow down, what went into your list in terms of uh, maybe you wanted to stay in province. Maybe you wanted to go out west. Maybe you wanted to go to the NCAA. Like when you had to start uh, narrowing your list or looking for serious options, uh, how did Princeton kind of enter the conversation and what made you fall in love with that school? Yeah, I loved a lot of the schools in Canada. I loved a lot of them in the U.S. Obviously, I visited a ton and kind of did my due diligence. Princeton was just kind of the best of all worlds for me in terms of what I was looking for. So obviously volleyball was a huge priority of mine. I wanted to be on a team that was not only competitive for like a title, but also a team that was just like invested in my development and could help me be the best volleyball player that I could be. But at the same time, I was really invested in, you know, my academics. I wanted to make sure that, you know, when I'm done playing the sport of volleyball, just kind of thinking ahead, I want to have a degree that I can fall back on. I want to be able to, get a job and to be able to secure all those things once volleyball is done. Because while volleyball is life now, volleyball may not always be life. You know, you never know for injuries. I mean, we all get old, right? So you got you to be prepared on all fronts. And then obviously I wanted to be at a school that had like a good social scene, a good group of people that I could call my own. And so when I visited Princeton, I actually visited right before I got to the FTC. And just in that like 48-hour visit, I forgot how long I was there, but... I just like fell in love with the campus. I mean, the architecture, it's, it's so old and beautiful. I mean, it's been around since like the late 1700s. Like, you know, the campus is just gorgeous. And then the volleyball was incredible. I got to play in some open gyms with the guys. and You know, they, they had just come off winning the EIB championship. So they were, you know, incredible. And just getting to play in the gym with them. And they were really excited about me. Just maybe, you know, even more excited to compete for that team. But then also just knowing that the, the academics that Princeton provides and like what that degree can do for you. I just felt like it was the best of all worlds for me. And so when the coach asked, you know, what did I think? I just told him right after the visit, like, I'm ready to commit. If you're ready to commit, like, let's do it. And I think he took maybe a week or two weeks, but um, eventually they committed to me and I started that process, applied to the school, I got in and the rest is history. Amazing. Amazing. I know you mentioned your ability to do homework in the car and keep your grades up when you were being, you know, driven around a club and everything like that. But <laughs> I, I got to know being a varsity athlete in an Ivy school like that, was there ever moments where you're just like, I don't know how people do this because I, I think to manage the hours of training with the academic schedule with wanting maybe a social life, it had to get tough at times, right? Yeah. I mean, it was incredibly tough. I just full stop. It was the school there was it was probably one of the most challenging things I'll ever do, but I'm just so grateful for it. I mean, if things are going to be easy, then, you know, anyone can do them. I'm, I'm grateful that I had a school that, that pushed me in, in every way and that pushed me in ways that I didn't know that I could be pushed and that I needed to be pushed. Uh, you know, there was, there was some all-nighters. There were some really tough courses that I took. But at the end of the day, like, the nice thing that Princeton had was they had a 4.30 to 6.30 slot reserved so there could be no classes taken. And so you would have your classes kind of during the morning, maybe you would lift in the morning. And then from that 4.30 to 6.30, it was just kind of like a huge breath of relief. It was like, okay, school is done. There's no worries about school. Like all exams are irrelevant. All classes are relevant. Like we're here right now in school hours, two and a half hours to just like play ball and just like enjoy our time. 
And so that's like one of the things that I really liked about playing volleyball at Princeton is just that the academics could get really hard, but when you got that chance to play volleyball, it was just like the best thing ever. Cause it's like, I'm not sitting in a library kind of hunched over, not good for my posture, like studying for like six hours. It's like, no, I, I get to just go back and rip a jumpsuit. Like to me, that was just so incredibly fun. So yeah. And obviously volleyball development was going to be really important for you. How cool was it to follow a program that had just uh, developed and worked with Cody Kessel? Because obviously the programs had some higher lows, but as you said, they were a championship caliber team. And I think Cody was just ahead of you. So did that kind of give you hope that you could become an international volleyball player based on who's kind of come through the roster the previous few years? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Cody was somebody that I looked up to a lot when I actually got to the program. And funny enough, like I got his old jersey. So he was number five when he was at Princeton. And then when I got there, I was given number five. And I was like, wow, that's that's awesome that I get to wear this guy's jersey. But when I was coming into Princeton, we had some other, we had just had some athletes who were all Americans. So we had George Human and Parker Dixon, both incredible. One of them was like a middle slash opposite, and one was an outside slash opposite. And they were just kind of the reason why I like committed and why I wanted to go to that school was they had just won the EIVA championship. They were just like an incredible group of competitors and an incredible group of guys. And I was really like, I just wanted to compete with them. And then when I actually got to Princeton and I learned more about Cody and I learned more about like where he came from, that was when I kind of reached out to Cody and he's always been sort of like a bit of a personal mentor to me, just asking, you know, he went through Princeton, he went through athletics, he understands the whole deal. And so even when he's been in Germany and, you know, living his best life, he's found time to reach out to me, to call me, to text me and, and see how things are going for me. So he's been an incredible resource and, and a great mentor to me. Yeah, that's so cool. And uh, I know the big NCAA fans will probably say, well, California is where you got to go. That's where all the best teams are in the NCAA. But looking at what the East has done, especially during your era where like Loyola always seems tough, Penn State's tough, like your, your conference, uh, George Mason, Ohio State, like there, there's definitely some tougher teams uh, all over the U.S. versus, like, I think if we were to go back 20 years, it was California winning the championship every year. So just talk about um, your strength of schedule. And I know you do get to play the California Conference. I think you do maybe a big road trip every year. But just talk about the, the growth of volleyball and how tough it is to play some of these schools that maybe aren't the fan favorites like the UCLA's and UCI and those schools. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely say that these, like, the California schools, they're they're just, like, I understand why people would say they're like a different level. And then, I mean, it makes sense now that I'm living here when you're in the East coast in a place like New Jersey, volleyball is not all that big aside from the fact that you play at the university. But when you're out in California, like every third person you meet probably plays volleyball recreationally or, you know, will play even a little bit more seriously. People love volleyball here. They like live, breathe volleyball. And so I totally understand kind of the differences in that. But even on the East, like we have some very, very good teams. I mean, Princeton, before I got to Princeton, we, they ended up winning the EIBA championship and they got themselves a bid to um, the NCAA tournament where they lost to Pepperdine in a fifth set, almost qual almost getting them to the final four. And so, you know, it's a very legit roster and a very legit team that plays some good teams. But then, you know, we won the EIBA championship last year and then Penn State ended up winning it this year. And, you know, they they were ranked number one at some point this year. Like, they had such an incredible team. The only thing that brought them down, I think they lost to Ohio State. Like, the second they got put at number one, they ended up losing uh, to Ohio State. But, you know, they stayed at, like, second or third for the entire year. And they were just, like, an incredible opponent. To us, they've always been our biggest rival, but they're just, like, they're a tough team to play for anybody, regardless of if you're a California team, regardless if you're a Loyola. So, yeah, I mean, these East Coast teams, like, they're very, very good. And having played them for four years, I can attest like some very, very strong teams out here in the East. And and you mentioned that you are a California guy now. When you were reaching the end of your uh, degree, when did you think postgrad was going to be a thing? And then was there any option to come back to Canada? Were you always thinking NCAA? Like, how did you, again, narrow down your tra uh, choices and, and finally choose to transfer to Pepperdine? Yeah, so I actually entered the transfer portal as a sophomore. So... Obviously, I lost my freshman year due to COVID. Like halfway through the season, there was COVID and we just couldn't finish the season. So the NCAA was kind enough to kind of give us that eligibility back. And then sophomore year, a lot of the teams ended up getting to compete, but the Ivy League made this kind of grand decision to not let any of its athletics compete. 
And so just as a result of that, I was unable to compete my sophomore year. So I was going into my junior year with my first year of eligibility. So last year I used my second year of eligibility. And that's why as a sophomore, I instantly entered the transfer portal and I just wanted to start talking to to coaches in different programs and, and just to cast a wide net and see, you know, where I could end up after, after Princeton. Cause volleyball was still very important to me. I wanted to see kind of what I could do. And yeah, like I had definitely thought about coming back to Canada, but what kept me in the, in the NCAA was just the fact that I had already been there and I felt like I hadn't really, you know, I worked my whole life to get to the NCAA and it just felt like I hadn't had my chance to kind of to live it yet. You know, I lost two years of eligibility there. And so I felt like I didn't really have the full experience that like an NCAA athlete should have. And so that's kind of what led me to want to stay, to stay here and to, and to look for a different school. And uh, we've had a friend of the show, Fred Winters. He's a Pepperdine alumni. Um, wow, what a campus. I, I think you're technically in Malibu, right? I think you can probably see the ocean from parts on campus. And uh, one cool thing yeah. he said is, I don't think they have a football team. So like men's volleyball, like you said, everyone kind of knows the sport and it gets treated. I know you haven't played a home game yet, but uh, it, do you get that vibe around campus that it's just uh, California is different and they definitely love volleyball at your school? Yeah, 100%. I mean, Princeton was cool because we had a undergrad population of about 5,000 and out of that 5,000, a thousand of them were student athletes. So you have 20% of the undergrads are student athletes on campus, which is cool because we have every sport you can imagine. We got volleyball, we got wrestling, we got football, like you said, like we have everything. But then when you come to Pepperdine, there's fewer sports, right? They don't have a football team. They don't have a lacrosse team. And so the teams that they do have like us and soccer and water polo and basketball like these are very big teams and teams that people love to support especially the volleyball which is really cool and so so one one of the things that they do on campus actually is they kind of have this like freshman house cup which if you've seen harry potter it's very similar to that where like different houses are kind of competing for points and they will like kind of reward freshmen for going to athletic events and they'll get points kind of towards their house if they like attend and so apparently, like, throughout the year, you just get games that are packed with, like, freshmen, their friends, their families. Like, a lot of people go to these games, which is, which is really cool. Because, you know, in New Jersey, we did get a decent amount of fans. But, like, you know, it's never like what you see on the videos of, like, a lot, where they get, like, you know, thousands of fans and they're just, like, so loud. So I'm very excited to play kind of in a place that, that has that, like, huge fan base. But also, like you said, in terms of, like, the campus and the beauty of it, I've only been here for two weeks and my apartment where I'm living. So luckily I'm living on campus. It just has like a perfect view of the ocean and it takes my breath away every time. Like, I don't think that view could possibly ever get old. And I just look out there and I just think about how grateful I am to, to be playing division one volleyball, to be, you know, on a great team and just to be on a beautiful campus where like, and then volleyball brought me here, which is also just incredible. Yeah, so cool. And I know you haven't been on campus that long. You've been traveling quite a bit, but uh, is there any um, just special feeling you get from being at a school like Pepperdine in terms of like what Marv was able to accomplish or maybe some of the championship teams that I think like John Mayer would have been a guy on that team? I, I know maybe some listeners are rolling their eyes and saying, Josh, that was like the early 2000s, but I think there's still like a legacy that uh, Pepperdine's definitely competitive. And when people think men's volleyball, I think they think the Pepperdine waves. So uh, I'm wondering uh, what is the feeling in the, in the athletic center in terms of like honoring Marv or some other people that have come through the program? Yeah. I mean, I remember watching old clips. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people do that when they're, when they're like being recruited or they're getting excited about NCAA volleyball. And I just remember seeing these, like these clips of like Pepperdine volleyball playing all these different teams. And I, and I just thought, you know, how cool would it be to be in Malibu near LA, you know, especially as like a Niagara boy to think that you're going to like live near the ocean. That just seems like impossible. But luckily, I mean, in our first training block, we just went to Europe as a team. We had one of our coaches was Matt West, who's out playing professionally right now. He was an All-American setter here at Pepperdine. And then also, you know, one of our assistant coaches, Matt Pollock, played here. And then our head coach, Jonathan Winder, I mean, he was like all-time all Pepperdine, like, you know, four-time All-American, national champion. I think he was freshman of the year, just got every accolade possible for the sport. And it's just really cool to be able to play for these people and to be able to learn for these people. I haven't had the opportunity to meet Marv yet. I've heard only incredible things and I'm very, very excited to meet him, but I'm very grateful to be part of such a historic program where people have made 
such huge strides, but then they also come and they give back. So like to think that all of my coaches are, you know, Pepperdine alumni and they're giving back and they're helping coach. And they were just such studs also on the volleyball court. It's very, very inspiring to go to practice and to like see your coach's name on the wall kind of as you're walking in. So it's, it's incredible. And with that Euro trip, uh, was there any vet or any coach who made you feel welcome? Because obviously they, they probably know your resume and you're there to contribute and help the team out right away, but you're still kind of the new guy. So I, I think a trip like that is just like forced, organized behavior that you're going to be around your teammates so much. But uh, did anything or anyone make you feel comfortable right away? I can't even call out an individual because I would just say that like the whole team was just so incredible in in welcoming me to the program, whether that was for coaches or whether that was for players or even just like that we had an athletic trainer that came with us. Everybody was just so welcoming. And that, tea, that trip was the best onboarding experience I could have possibly asked for, you know, hands down. I got to train with the team for a week and then we get to go to Europe for 10, 11 days, play a bunch of teams out there, you know, explore five different countries. It was something that was so incredible, but also just so needed. I felt like it, it came at such a perfect time because I'm coming into a new school and I'm, and I'm dying to get to know everybody and build these relationships. And, you know, here we are in Europe, kind of, we're getting meals together. We're taking five, six hour bus rides together. And then we're also competing together. We're on the court together. So it was just such a great way to like bring everybody in together and was one of the things I was most worried about was, you know, when freshmen come into a program, it's very like understandable that they don't understand everything. They're kind of, they're learning things for the first time. They're living on their own. They're meeting new people. But for me, like I'm coming in as like a 23 year old freshman. And so I needed this like trip to kind of help me out with that. And the nice thing is actually from one of our competitors on the East at NJIT, we had another graduate transfer, um, Martin come in as well. And so he was kind of in the same shoes as I was where we were just kind of like doing our best to get to know the team. And, you know, we fell in love with the program, with the team and, and everything it stands for. Yeah, man, that, that, that's so cool. And just uh, fill me and the other listeners in because maybe we're bigger fans of the CCAA or U sports where the season tends to feel a little bit more year round. So with your season technically not being until the spring, how many hours are you allowed in the gym right now? Like what's your responsibility as a varsity athlete, even though your league play won't start until the new year? Yeah, so we don't start till later, obviously, but we're only allowed eight hours, I believe. And so that's right now looking like a couple lifts a week and maybe like two or three practices a week. And that's that's only mandated by coaches, though. The thing that I really love about the team is just like how volleyball first a lot of most of the team is. And so, you know, we're going to be coming in early in the mornings before lift and, and getting some touches for an hour, two hours whether that's at 5 a.m. or 5.30, like that's that's one of the coolest things about this program. And this program breeds like hard workers and, and good volleyball athletes. And that's what I've loved about being a part of this program in the, in the short three weeks that I've been here. It's just that everybody here wants to play volleyball. Everyone here wants to get better. And so even though we're out of season, like we, we want to go. We, we have goals. We want to win this year. And so just being in the gym, the more we're in the gym, the better we're going to do basically so yeah and and i know we touched on how good the east coast is getting and obviously uh ohio state and loyola they won some championships pretty recently here but uh with you being a pepperdine guy now how excited are you to play just some of the people who have like the best volleyball gym so you get to play ucla and hopefully they have a packed house in usc and you get to go to long beach and they have that unique floor and everything else going on like are you getting pretty fired up to play uh, even hawaii i haven't mentioned them yet like you're gonna play some tough schools and some pretty volleyball fanatic areas like are you fired up for the strength of schedule you're gonna see this year i mean absolutely that's that was one of the main drivers in coming here is just i'm so excited to be able to play these teams you know at princeton we would get we would get small tastes of it because we would come in, we would do a California trip and we would play, you know, three teams, four teams, but we would just kind of get that little glimpse, right? You play one game, two games, then you're back out on the East coast. But, you know, we've played CSUN, we've played USC, we've played UCLA, but it's just incredible that these teams get to get to go at each other all the time, you know, play each other two, three times during the year. So, you know, I'm very, very excited and super grateful to be part of such an amazing conference that breeds such good athletes. And I, and I look forward to competing with all these guys. Now, I know my coach's friends would uh, hate if I didn't ask this because one thing we're just armchair quarterbacks about the NCAA is it seems like 
with the ball you guys use, everybody and their brother has a green light to hit their serve as absolutely as hard as they can. <laughs> so uh, I'm curious with you being a Canadian guy, uh, how did you get used to that mentality where they put so much value on just going for broke with the serve where maybe it just doesn't make sense to float server molten, but it seems like everybody's a spin server. So uh, did your tennis background kind of help you with that individual attitude and that individual skill? Or how have you kind of accomplished this uh, NCAA style of just like hit the snot out of the ball from the service line? That's one of the things that I found was not as hard to buy into as a lot. Because, <laughs> you know, serving by far for me in volleyball is my favorite skill. I think it's the one skill in the sport where you have complete ownership of the result. Um, you know, you could get a bad set, you can get a good set, you can get a bad pass, you can get a good pass, but, you know, you are solely responsible for the toss that you put out there, the contact you make, and the placement of your serve. And so I really appreciate that ownership we have of the skill. That's why I love it so much. And so I didn't find much difficulty in, you know, my coach telling me, go hit it as hard as you can. Let's see how hard you can hit it. I, I always thought that was kind of fun. And so when you go into a game, I find, you know, I practice when you're kind of spraying balls, trying to figure out how hard you can hit it. Eventually you do reach a certain point in the game where you're like, yeah, I want to hit this hard, but I also do want to win. So, you know, I don't want to just be hitting it like 75 miles, but also like 30 feet out of bounds. And so I've always been able to find that happy medium where like, even though I'm hitting the ball like a lot harder, still trying to like find a seam or pick on somebody that we're like working to pick on. Um, but yeah, like that philosophy has always been something that I didn't find much difficulty buying into, but then also just like the make of the ball. I find that like the toxin that you can put on the molten, it, it seems like every ball just like lands in. If you like, <laughs> like, uh, I feel like um, a Mikasa, if you like hit it, certain balls would just like land out, but I feel like the molten spins, they just like always land in. So, yeah. And, and I'm sure Canadians are laughing right now saying like, oh, you guys just go for broke. You just hit it hard. But is it fair to say, like you said, uh, can you cut the cord in half when you're going back there? Like, could you hit a receiver or really is it, is there more value on the pace or are you guys thinking like certain rotations and you can make somebody actually have to receive the ball? Yeah. I mean, it totally depends on the game and the strategy, right? Like it, it, dep it totally depends who we're playing, but I find that there's times where somebody on the court will be feeling their serve and coach will just give you a green light and just say, you know, go after your serve, give us your best serve. But then there's also times where we strategically, you know, want to serve the, the two outsides. You want to serve them in the seam and you want to keep it away from the libero or, you know, you want to put it short. So I wouldn't fully like in my time at Princeton, I can't speak to like all the other programs. I know like UCLA and these other schools are a little bit different, but for us, we never really like had six green light servers that would just kind of go after the ball and like, be okay with 25 service areas like that was never really us but we did have two two maybe three if somebody's feeling that servers who would just kind of go for it and the rest are trying to make a more strategic play and that would be either decided upon you know in scouting and film earlier or maybe like a recent development in the game where we weren't expecting a certain lineup we weren't expecting a certain player and it just kind of happens in the moment and with you joining a new program, what advice would you give to a younger athlete who might be switching teams where, um, how much are you saying, this is the set I like to hit, or this is the offense that I've been a part of versus saying, coach, what do you guys run here, setter? What tempo do you want to set to the outsides? Like how much of it is like you advocating for yourself saying, this is what my game is and what I'm comfortable doing versus just saying, I'll do whatever the team wants me to do. Tell me, are we on a three-step go? Like, why are we hitting a flat? Like what type of uh, offense you're being a part of? Yeah, I mean... I've always been more one to kind of buy into the system that the, the coaches have. I mean, I think every program runs their program differently. And the offense that we're running at Pepperdine right now is a lot different than the one we were running at Princeton. Um, and, and I'm just like excited to buy into that personally. I don't really feel the need to kind of come in and tell people how I like things. I think it's really important for team success to be able to all kind of unite around one thing and to kind of make that the standard. And so, yeah, for younger athletes who are coming into a new team, I mean, I would definitely see how things are done at that team. Your own individual strengths will shine for sure, but I've always been more of like a team first guy and looking out for that. Nice, nice. And uh, just a couple more. One question, just um, obviously you're a Princeton guy, now you're a Pepperdine guy, so obviously a strong value on, on learning. What do you do volleyball-wise to learn? Are you a big video guy? Are you a big journal guy? Do you meet with coaches? Do you meet with players on the team? Like, uh, how do you make sure you're absorbing everything, but also like pushing how much you can develop and really um, 
kind of set high expectations for yourself? Yeah, I've already really liked the setup that we've had here at Pepperdine. I mean, I'm somebody who really likes to watch a lot of film. I like to go back and watch my touches. And then I like to go watch, you know, a professional or like a different NCAA game and see somebody that, you know, I like or admire, I like to compete against and kind of see how they respond to similar situations. Um, journaling is also something that's pretty big for me. That's, I started when I was pretty young. I've been a little bit inconsistent as of late, but I really like learning new things and putting them down and kind of keeping track of what I learned actually going through and reading like my old FTC journal. I kept the journal, I think like every single day from that. And so I, I kind of wanted to emulate the same thing here while I'm at Pepperdine, because it's really cool to go back and, and read some of the things that you're learning at that time. That was like five years ago for me now, which is crazy to think. But yeah, as I was saying, film is something that's huge for me. I, I find that it's like so important if you're going to, if you want to develop as a full athlete, like a volleyball athlete. And what we've done on the team is we would be, when we were just in Europe, we would have a game. We played a game in Prague. And then on the bus ride to Vienna, we were, I asked my coach, you know, I really want to watch the game. Do you mind like watching the game with me? And individually, a lot of the guys would just kind of go to the front of the bus. They'd watch a couple things with the coach and like very actionable items. It's sometimes you can sit down and you can watch the full set. But a lot of the times it's like, look at these like three to five things. This is what I need from you in the next practice and what, like what I need from you in the next game and kind of go and work on that. And I thought that's pretty cool because obviously watching a full set's incredible. You know, you want to relive the moment, you want to see everything, but it's also the coach's job to kind of analyze that set and to see like, what are three points um, that you need to like build your own success going into the next game. While you're in charge of your own development, like your coach is also in charge of your development. And so it's cool to be able to go back and like watch that with them and to be able to see, you know, what they say to work on. And then to watch film again and see, like, did you make those improvements or, or do you still struggling on that one skill? Sweet, man. Thanks so much for, for sharing all the details here. Just the last question I had for you here was, uh, you've been a part of Momentum Sports and working camps and being all over the province. When you finally do get an off season, uh, why is it so important for you just to be in the gym and working with different kids and kind of traveling? Uh, you've been in some pretty unique neighborhoods, actually, when you were coaching with Momentum. So uh, why do you always make time to kind of be a part of those things? It's hard not to play volleyball, honestly. <laughs> and that's something I realized. So my junior year at Princeton, I ended up working an internship and it was full time. Like it was like a nine to five and I would get my like strength training in the morning. And, you know, at night we just kind of be whatever, whether that was like mobility, yoga, recovery, or just like time with family and friends. And I'm just kind of looking at like the corporate world and I'm like, you know, these people work nine to five. Life can be pretty difficult. And, and then I just think back to like the fact that I'm a student, I'm an athlete, I play volleyball. Like it's, I'm very grateful. It's very cool. And when I get the opportunity to like work and play volleyball, like that's the best of both worlds. You know, <laughs> I get to coach these really cool kids who are super passionate. And when you've, when you, when you're this tall and when you've made strides in volleyball and you can show them what you do, they kind of look at you wide eyed and they'll, anything you tell them, they'll, they'll believe. Right. So it's cool to be able to like spend time in the gym, obviously playing volleyball, but then also to have like a measurable impact in the lives of, of the youth in Canada that really want to like grow up and play volleyball, which I think is, it's really cool that, you know, momentum is trying to spearhead that. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. So uh, one tradition we built into the show is just to tell a funny, unique story. So hearing your progression from, you know, high school athlete to club to your NCAA career and even your national team career, I imagine something uh, funny or unique happened along the way. So I was hoping you could just share a funny story before we let you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a 10-year career in volleyball definitely comes with its funny stories. Um, one that comes to the top of my mind is actually from high school volleyball. So on my high school team, we played, you know, all four years. We had just like trouble going to OFSA. I'm not sure if you know what OFSA is, but it's kind of like our provincial championships for high school. <clears throat> and our team fell short every year. We would lose in the finals and, and our region only had one bid. So you had to win it to actually go to the finals. And my senior year, we finally won. We went to OFSA and we had this kind of like Cinderella story where it was like me and my setter was a club setter. Um, he was actually a sophomore at the time in high school and I pulled him up to, to play kind of senior volleyball because we needed a good setter and we needed somebody who played club. And so I told the guy, I was like, you're playing senior volleyball. I don't care. Um, and then the rest of us were just, you know, or the rest of them were just high school athletes who were very like athletic and 
good at volleyball. But we, we had a bit of a Cinderella story where we actually ended up going to the Austin finals, played, you know, a couple teams that were like pretty much all club athletes and ended up beating them. But the night before we went to our Austin finals, the, my teammate that I was rooming with, his name is Will, he told us like before the game, he was like, how funny like of a tradition would it be if we just like put our shoes in this like dresser before like the game for good luck. Like underneath the TV in a hotel, they have those like little dressers. He's like, oh, we should put our shoes in here for good luck. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I don't really understand why, but sure. And so lo and behold, like we wake up, I think we like snoozed our alarm or something. We're like late. We're rushing in the morning. We pack up all our stuff and we leave. And we get to the game. The bronze medal match is just wrapping up. And we look in our bags as we're, start- <laughs> as we're starting to get ready. And our shoes are still in the hotel in this like dresser that Will told us would be such good luck. And so me and Will, like, had, we had no shoes going into this game. And so um, one of our teammates, his mom, ended up going, like, 130, 140 down the highway just to go and, like, sprint back to this hotel and get us our shoes. And eventually we made uh, two of the kids on the team that, you know, they didn't play as much, but they ended up handing us our shoes because we were starting players in the team. Not that I condone this behavior. It was definitely a mistake on our end, but... Um, they ended up giving us their shoes so we can get warm and get ready for the game. And I just remember like midway through the first set, like our coach called a timeout when he saw the player's mom, not because we needed one. It was like 10 all, but so we could change into our like actual proper shoes. <laughs> that is yeah, that's just one of the stories. Yeah, that's amazing. And I'm glad you can laugh about it now. But was coach not losing their mind when you explained to them that you didn't have your shoes? I think he wasn't as mad because he just like was in disbelief that we were even in the finals. Like for him, he was just like, he's never won that. He's never won like a salsa. That's what our like qualifier was called. And so like just being there was like enough. Like he'd already like peaked. He was super happy. And then with each game that we won, he was just like in better and better spirits. And so even though we forgot our shoes for the final, he was like, okay. And he was the one that kind of like snapped at two players and was like, sorry, we're going to need your shoes. <laughs> So, yeah. Oh, amazing, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know you've had a busy summer. We've been uh, chasing each other down to try to make this work. So thanks yeah. for uh, making the time and staying patient there. And yeah, man, thanks for sharing all that you did. And, and best of luck with the big year Pepperdine coming up. Of course, man. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And thanks for having me on the show. Sweet, man. I just stopped recording that.